today we're focusing on part two of Songs of the Bible. The Bible is incredibly interconnected with threads that run through it from beginning to end. In this podcast, I will uncover these threads, help you dig deeper into God's truth, and inspire you to live your life with greater confidence and joy. Welcome to Bible Threads with me, Dr. Bruce Becker. In part one of Songs, we did a deeper dive into Old Testament Hebrew and New Testament Greek poetry. It's helpful to understand the types of poetry in the Bible, especially the highly structured Hebrew poetry. We also examined the three songs that were composed during the life of Moses, the Song of Moses and Miriam, the Song of the Well in the Wilderness, and the Song of Moses and Joshua. Today we want to explore one song from the period of the Judges and six songs that were composed during the lives of King David and King Solomon. These six are in addition to many of the Psalms composed by David. However, two of these six songs have a direct connection to two of the Psalms. I'll I'll explain that a bit later. The next song composed and sung in the Old Testament is the song of Deborah and Barak. It's found in Judges chapter 5. Now there's something to note about this song. In the preceding chapter, we hear about the historical events of Deborah, Barak, Sisera, and his Canaanite army. Then in chapter 5, Deborah and Barak put these events to music. Essentially, you'll find the same content in chapters 4 and chapter 5, but in two different styles of writing, one narrative and one poetry. So, what was the occasion for this song? Well, throughout the book of Judges, we hear a constant refrain. The Israelites once again did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And when they did, the Lord allowed Israel's enemies to oppress them. At this time in their history, the oppression came from Jabin, king of Canaan, and his army commander, a man by the name of Sisera. Sisera led the army, and the crown jewel of Jabin's army was the 900 chariots of iron. That was both impressive and intimidating. King Jabin's oppression of Israel lasted 20 years, which led the Israelite people to cry out to the Lord for help. The Lord's answer to that cry for help came primarily through two women. Let me introduce you to Deborah. Deborah was a leader in Israel at this time. Deborah was both a prophet and a judge. As a prophet, she served as the mouthpiece of the Lord to the people of Israel. As a judge, she set up her courtroom under a palm tree in the hill country of Ephraim. There, Judge Deborah settled disputes that people brought to her. One day, the Lord directed Deborah to send for a man named Barak. When he arrived, Deborah said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you ten thousand men of Naphtali and Zebulun, and lead them up to Mount Tabor. I will lead Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, 
with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River, and give him into your hands. Barak responded to Deborah, If you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. What kind of response was that? The Lord God made a promise to deliver Sisera and the army into Barak's hands. And his response is, I'll only go if Deborah goes? Barak's motives aren't entirely clear in this response, but not to obey the word of the Lord has its consequences. Certainly I will go with you, said Deborah, but because of the course you are taking, the honor will not be yours, for the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. Let's jump to the end of the story. You can read or listen yourself to the whole story in Judges chapter 4. God's promise was sure and certain. The Israelite army routed the 900 chariot army of Sisera. Sisera, meanwhile, fled on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, because there was an alliance between Jabin king of Hazer and the family of Heber the Kenite. Sisera thought that this would be a good and safe place to hide out. Jael went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Come, my lord, come right in. Don't be afraid. So he entered her tent, and she covered him with a blanket. I'm thirsty, he said. Please give me some water. She opened a skin of milk, gave him a drink, and covered him up. Stand in the doorway of the tent, he told her. If someone comes by and asks you, is anyone in there? Say no. But Jael, Heber's wife, picked up a tent peg and a hammer and went quietly to him while he lay fast asleep, exhausted. She drove the peg through his temple into the ground, and he died. Meanwhile, with needed encouragement from Deborah, Barak and the Israelite army pursued Jabin's army until they were totally defeated. Following the victory, Deborah and Barak sang a duet. It's a long song that you can read or listen to in Judges chapter 5. But I'd like to share with you the end of the song, which recounts the work of Jael and imagines Sisera's mother waiting for her son to return home. It's quite descriptive. And be sure to listen for the different structures of Hebrew poetry that we learned about last time. Most blessed of women be Jael the wife of Heber the Kenite, most blessed of tent-dwelling women. He asked for water, and she gave him milk. In a bowl fit for nobles, she brought him curdled milk. Her hand reached for the tent peg, her right hand for the workman's hammer. She struck Sisera, she crushed his head, she shattered and pierced his temple. At her feet he sank, he fell, there he lay. At her feet he sank, he fell. Where he sank, there he fell, dead. Through the window peered Sisera's mother. Behind the lattice she cried out, Why is his chariot so long in coming? Why is the clatter of his chariots delayed? The wisest of her ladies answered her. Indeed, she keeps saying to herself, Are they not finding and dividing the spoils? 
a woman or two for each man, colorful garments as plunder for Sisera, colorful garments embroidered, highly embroidered garments for my neck, all this as, plum, uh, as plunder. And then the song ends. So may all your enemies perish, Lord, but may all who love you be like the sun when it rises in its strength. What a powerful victory song, don't you think? A song about God's victory over his enemies. Our next song is also a victory song, but this one is a very short song, only two lines long. It's found in 1 Samuel 18. It's the song of David's victory over the Philistine giant Goliath. For decade upon decade, Israel had a pesky perennial enemy located to the southwest. It was the Philistines, a country made up of five city-states. The Old Testament records eight major battles between the Israelites and the Philistines. The one involving David was the sixth of the eight. For this battle, the Philistines came with a new weapon, actually a new weapon of a man, a soldier by the name of Goliath. What set him apart was that he was nine feet tall. In an epic confrontation with Goliath, David slew the giant with a slingshot and a stone. When Goliath fell to the ground, David took Goliath's own sword and separated his head from his body. Emboldened by the heroics of David and the hand of God, the Israelite army pursued and defeated the Philistines. After David defeated Goliath and the Israelite army defeated the Philistines, we learn of a new song being sung by the women of the towns. When the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. This song was not well received by King Saul. The women were crediting Saul with slaying thousands, but David with tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. If we read a few chapters later, we find out that not only did the people of Israel know this little tune, so did the Philistines. Hey, this song might have even made it to number one on the Middle Eastern hit parade charts. What do you think? We know this song was well known outside of Israel, because when David fled from Saul, because Saul was trying to kill him out of jealousy, he went to the Philistine city of Gath. Servants of the king of Gath recognized David. They said, isn't this David, the king of the land? Isn't he the one they sing about in their dances? Slain, uh, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. This famous song drove a wedge between Saul and David 
that would last for the rest of Saul's life. Our next song is one composed and sung by David. It's called The Song of the Bow. The occasion for the composing of this song was the death of King Saul and Saul's three sons. They were killed in a battle on Mount Gilboa against, guess who? The Philistines. Although Saul had been trying to kill David, David had a deep relationship and a great friendship with one of Saul's sons, Jonathan. They were like brothers. They were kindred spirits. So listen to this song, likely named the Song of the Bow, in honor of Jonathan, who was a skilled archer. A gazelle lies slain on your heights, Israel. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Proclaim it not in the, in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines be glad. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised rejoice. Mountains of Gilboa, may you have neither dew nor rain. May no shower fall on your terraced fields. For there the shield of the mighty was despised, the shield of Saul, no longer rubbed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the flesh of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. The sword of Saul did not return unsatisfied. Saul and Jonathan, in life they were loved and admired, and in death they were not parted. They were swifter than eagles, they were stronger than lions. Daughters of Israel, weep for Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and finery, who adorned your garments with ornaments of gold. How the mighty have fallen in battle. Jonathan lies slain on your heights. I grieve for you, Jonathan, my brother. You were very dear to me. Your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. How the mighty have fallen, the weapons of war have perished. By the way, some have used this passage to suggest that there was a homosexual relationship between David and Jonathan based on the phrase, your love for me was wonderful, more wonderful than that of women. But nothing could be further from the truth for several reasons. First, the Hebrew word for love is not the typical word for sexual activity. It's a general word to refer to God's love for us or our love for one another. It even had a diplomatic connotation. For example, early on, Saul said that he loved David and then made him his bodyguard. The Phoenician king Hiram of Tyre also said that he loved David. Also, the women referred to uh, him may very well have been Saul's own daughters, Jonathan's sisters. You see, when, when David killed Goliath, Saul promised him one of his daughters in marriage. But after people sang the thousands, ten thousands song, Saul kept putting conditions on giving David one of his daughters. First, go fight the Philistines, and then I'll give you one of my daughters. In these battles, Saul was hoping that David would be killed. David and Jonathan also had a covenant relationship with each other, a very close one. In this covenant, Jonathan would be second in command when David became king, and David would protect Saul's family from being assassinated. They did stuff like that in ancient times. 
they would kill off the heirs of the former king so there would be no claims to the throne. Anyway, this song was David's grief-stricken lament at the loss of his dear friend, Jonathan. Our next song is a funeral chant composed and sung by David for one of his generals, a soldier by the name of Abner. Here's the storyline. When King Saul died, the tribe of Judah named David as their king. However, the rest of Israel named one of Saul's sons as their next king. His name was Ish-bosheth. The result was that civil war broke out and lasted for seven years. Ish-bosheth's general during this time was Abner. But there's a turn of events. Ish-bosheth deeply offended Abner by falsely accusing him of sleeping with one of the women in Saul's harem. Abner was so angry that he sent word to King David, offering to make David king over all of Israel. David accepts Abner's offer with the prospect of the civil war finally coming to an end. But there's another turn of events. Abner had killed one of David's men in an earlier battle. The man that was killed was Azahel the brother of the captain of the army, a man named Joab. Joab and Azahel were both nephews of King David. Joab wanted revenge, and he took it without David knowing about it. Joab and a third brother, Abishai, took Abner aside at the city gate for a private conversation. There was no conversation, only the murder of Abner. When word got to King David, he was appalled. As a result, he wrote this short funeral song for Abner. Should Abner have died as the lawless die? Your hands were not bound, your feet were not fettered. You fell as one falls before the wicked. This is a song that is short, sweet, and sad. Our next song is about David's deliverance from his enemies. We've already noted that Saul, once people started singing the Middle Eastern Top 40 song, Thousands and Ten Thousands, that Saul looked to kill David. Eventually, the Lord delivered David from Saul and established his reign as king of Israel. Here's a trivia question for you. Which song in the Bible is recorded in two places? It's this one. It's recorded in both 2 Samuel chapter 22 and in Psalm 18. This song is quite long. It expresses David's gratitude for the Lord, keeping him safe from his enemies. Let me share with you just a few stanzas of this song to give you a sense of David's gratitude. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my Savior. From violent people you save me. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and have been saved from my enemies. As for God, His way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in Him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? 
It is God who arms me with strength and keeps my way secure. The Lord lives. Praise be to my rock. Exalted be my God, the rock, my Savior. He is the God who avenges me, who puts the nations under me, who sets me free from my enemies. You exalted me above my foes. From a violent man you rescued me. Therefore I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing the praises of your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows unfailing kindness to his anointed, to David and his descendants forever. The next song that we want to look at was composed also by David to be sung by the worship leaders that David had appointed. A little background. After King David had captured the city of Jerusalem, he determined to bring the Ark of God, aka the Ark of the Covenant, from Kiriath-Jerim, where it had been for the previous two decades, and bring it to Jerusalem. David had a tent pitched for it in the city, and then he appointed some men from the tribe of Levi to serve at the ark. They were to pray and thank and praise the Lord in the presence of the ark. They were to play the lyres and harps and to blow the trumpets. Ten men were chosen and the chief among them was Asaph. Asaph's song of praise is also found in two places in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles 16 and the first part of Psalm 105. Here's the opening stanzas of David's song for Asaph and his team to sing. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. The song goes on to recount the history of God's promises and blessings. And the song ends with, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, then all the people said, Amen, and praise the Lord. The last song from the days of David and Solomon was composed and sung by Asaph and his sons. It is the shortest song in the Bible, just ten words long in the original Hebrew. This song was composed for the completion of Solomon's temple in Jerusalem and on the occasion of the Ark of the Covenant being moved from the tent that David had set up to its place in the inner room of the temple. Here's the song. He indeed is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. There is a common theme in all of these songs, a thread that proclaims the goodness and the greatness of the Lord the God of grace. Our God is worth singing about, don't you think? The songs of the Bible are one of the Bible's storylines. If you have any thoughts or questions about this podcast, please email me at bruce at timeofgrace.org. And check out a variety of devotions and blogs that speak about songs in the Bible. You can do that at timeofgrace.org. 
Just type songs into the search bar to get more. Thanks for listening. Join me next time for part three of songs in our Bible Thread series entitled Storylines. God bless.